following podcast has not been rated. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fapt, and here is your host, C.J. Newman. Hey, 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 you're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, with me, C.J. Newman. I hope you all had a Merry New Year this year, and I hope that you're starting 2019 off right, and if you have any New Year's resolutions, I hope that you're sticking to them. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to The Fap this week. I've got uh, two guests on deck for you. Uh, you've probably heard of them by now. If you've been listening to the show, we've got at the real Forno, that's Tyler Forness, and then I've got uh, at PFTPM Posse, that's Bobby the Recliner QB. So I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not going to BS you, this is a long one, so I'm going to go ahead and cut to the chase. Please enjoy myself, Bobby, and Tyler. And welcome back to the Fab, ladies and gentlemen. This week I've got returning with me is uh, Tyler Forness and uh, Bobby, the Recliner QB. Guys, how the hell are you? Tyler, what's going on, man? Oh, not a whole lot. Just getting myself prepped for Friday, and life is good. How are you? I'm doing good, Bobby. You over there? I am doing great, and since my other uh, friend and guest did not say it, I'm going to go ahead and wish you and everybody else out there a Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you both and to everybody listening. Thank you very much for bringing that up. I'm happy that we're in 2019. Everybody's still alive. Everybody's still kicking. And we're uh, we're all doing well so far. It sounds like. Apparently, so, um, I'm riding the Florio train. <laughs> I'm already an asshole. <laughs> I had point. to. It was, it was wide open. Yep. Merry New Year, as uh, Murphy would say. Um, I just want to start the this uh, podcast off actually by saying that uh, if you if your team has made the playoffs, go ahead and say I, I, I. Oh, not so fast there, Tyler. Fuck off. <laughs> Wait, the Vi- the Vikings, the were like 13 and three last year, went and signed the missing piece and $84 million fully guaranteed quarterback, but they didn't make. Wait, I'm confused. And they're not in the playoffs? Yeah. yeah I, I, thought, I thought the missing piece was Sheldon Richardson and Cousins was just an upgrade. But yeah. Our offensive line is absolute gutter trash, and Kirk stopped having faith in them, and you could tell as the season progressed because early on, he was on fire. So you like, blame this whole season on DeFilippo? No, but he deserves a bunch of it. Yeah, good. His play calling a couple weeks. bad. Yeah, but uh, Kirk, some of the Kirk's throws early in the season were just like, holy crap, how did Washington let this guy go? And then the offensive line kept performing poorly and poorly. And he started getting really panicky in the pocket. And then you started to see, okay, this makes sense. Well, yeah, when you got a dumpster fire of an offensive line, it's really hard to want to protect yourself out there. But um, honestly, take a look. Look at it this way, too. Uh, John Filippo was fired. I can't remember what week it was. He was fired late in the season. And Kevin or whatever, Stefanski, Stefanski took over. And guess who's getting interviews for head coaching jobs right now and who isn't? Hmm. I know where this is going. Yeah, uh, Stefanski's been with the Vikings for like 12 years. Brad Childress found him. Yeah. Yep. And he's a young guy who's very well thought of. 
He would have been Shermer's offensive coordinator this year in New York if uh, uh, Zimmer didn't say, no, I'm going to prevent you from interviewing because I want to keep you. Loyalty, he said. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting to see that. Uh, I mean, they went out swinging. They gave it their best shot. But uh, that Bears defense was a bit too much for the Vikings to handle. It's a bit too much for anyone to handle. The Bears are it's, legit. It's this incredible. Year. Yeah. It's, I'm looking well, forward to it. Yeah, especially that Bears pass rush against, you know, like you said, Tyler, that Vikings offensive line. I mean, that was a mismatch made in hell for the Vikings, or uh wait, uh, never mind. It would have been in heaven for the Bears um and hell for the Vikings with their offensive line. Hey, pass mm-hmm. rushers are hard to find in the NFL. I know a coach that once said that. Uh, we got rid of the best pass rusher in the NFL. I'm just saying. I hope somebody in a press conference asks Mike Mayock that question. Oh God, that's gonna. So Mike Mayock is now the uh, now the general manager for the Oakland Raiders or wherever the hell they're playing next year: London, Las Vegas, San Diego. They need to figure something. But let's let's be real. Mike Mayock is the general manager in name only. John Gruden's calling the shots. John's group. John Gruden's making decisions. Mike Mayock is what someone uh, tweeted at me last night: a scout aggregator or a notes aggregator, and that's what he's exactly what he's going to do for John Gruden to make the decisions. He's going to do what he's been doing on NFL Network just without a microphone. Yeah. So I can honestly see that going one of two ways. Um, if they don't listen to Mike Mayock, then it's going to go poorly. But if they do listen to Mike Mayock and um, they're both on the same page, we could very well see the beginning of something special. Yeah, especially because Mike Mayock is the most respected draft evaluator in the media. And he, when his mock draft comes out, people pay attention they and listen. He, he only and does they one take, year too. I mean, he yeah. does it right before mm-hmm. the draft. Well, yeah, his is his. You can trust more than others, especially because he's he's so uh, intricate. He's uh, so enlightened. He's got contacts all throughout the NFL. People trust him. They respect him. And the fact that he only does the one, it it feels like it means more. I know we were talking about uh, wrestling when he came on. Do you want to see like guy A versus guy B one time? And it feels really special, or do you want to see it six times and you just don't care anymore? Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people like Charlie Casserly that are giving out his report every week and changing it in the middle of the week. And the, uh, yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that one. Mike Mayock has a little bit of specialty, especially the night before. And he's not wrong on a lot of his. I, I don't think he necessarily goes into the trades and goes down to the weeds and whatnot, but he gives what he thinks will happen. I mean, he, he missed on some obvious draft picks like Mahomes coming in and being a first rounder. He missed a couple mm-hmm. of those, but uh, um, he's honestly hit the nail on the head on a lot of these, especially first round picks, especially in the uh, the very first pick. He's always gotten that well, right on the head. Well, here's the question, though, in my opinion, when it comes down to me, and I respect Mike Mayock. Like I used to have a, a website <clears throat> many year, or a few years ago, and it got kind of big after being linked on Pro Football Talk on a regular basis. And I was doing my own personal scouting and whatnot. And I trusted Mike Mayock, you know, immensely. And I've got a, a history in football with with my family and whatnot uh, that taught me how to scout and things like that. And I don't do it very much anymore, but I did. And when I did, I trusted Mayock. And <clears throat> you know, like I was saying, Mayock is kind of an aggregator. And I, I know that he watches film. He knows how to break it 
down, but I'll be curious to know how good he is when he can't go and have that, have his viewpoint or his opinion or his, what he saw in film reinforced by calling all the other GMs and main scouts in the league. Because when he worked for the NFL network, he worked for each one of those 32 teams. So the NFL network and him would get preference into information and contacts within those teams. Now that he's one of those, he's a competitor. He's not going to get that information. Is he going to be as sure as himself? Is he going to have as many different you know, sources and information to back that up? How is he going to do on his own? I think that's going to be you know, really key to see how he develops there with the Raiders. It's going to be crucial, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that all fizzles out. And after this key turnover this past season with the uh, losing of Amari Cooper, with the losing of Khalil Mack, and I, I'm not even sold that they're going to keep their quarterback situation intact going into the <laughs> season coming up. Who knows? I mean, Tyler, what do you think about the quarterback situation? Honestly, they're uh, just by off of Mike Mack's press conference on Monday, they're all in on Derek Carr, and they're not going to do anything. Now, it would take like a – uh trade like they had the Sam Bradford Nick Foles trade from uh years back uh trade like that where you're trading uh what you perceive to be franchise caliber quarterbacks in order for them to move on from Derek Carr yeah uh, so let's get Blake Bortles in there I understand what you're talking about see I'm still gonna argue that the Ravens should trade Flacco to the Jags for Bortles take take the fact that Bortles contract is way easier on the cap and then you don't have the dead money. You st- Bortles is a backup quarterback. You're going to pay a little extra for him. You cut him after 2019, and you're sitting good. The but- Ravens have their backup quarterback right now in Robert Griffin III. Come on now. So pay way less money for Blake Bortles? He's no. Robert Griffin III is making way less than Blake Bortles. Believe no, no, no. no. I, I meant than Joe Flacco. I'm sorry. Oh, Joe Flacco is gone this season. See, the way that the things work with the cap right now, we're going to be paying a lot of dead money on Joe Flacco, regardless if we trade him or regardless if we release him. So it's going to be like $20 million in dead cap, but we're going to save some money in the end by getting rid of him. So it doesn't matter who we trade him to. We're If we were to get like Blake Bortles, we would be picking up whatever his actual salary is for the year as opposed to his guaranteed money. So it might just cancel it out, to be honest with you. Okay, hold on. Time out real quick. Just we jump back here in a second. But Tyler, if you were Mike Mayock, if you were John Gruden, and you were potentially wanting to rid yourself of Derek Carr and trade him, would you say anything other than, of course you want Derek Carr. We're married to him. He is our franchise quarterback. Until he isn't. Yeah, that that's a really good point. But I don't think you necessarily have to come out and say, you know, we love Derek Carr. I mean, uh, we all know uh, Mike Mayock was infatuated with Derek Carr in the draft yep. process. And yes, John Gruden wasn't. That's why they signed Nathan Peterman. Uh, but it's I, I don't know how uh, these games and how they're going to work because teams already have an opinion on a quarterback. They either like him or they don't. Like Florio threw this out the other day where if Shanahan gets hired, you trade uh, Cousins for Keenum because Mike Shanahan loves Cousins and he works in that system. I don't know. Uh, Guys uh, have their guys and I think it'll be hard to trade Derek Carr at this point because who's going to take him? Jacksonville, maybe? Miami? 
Yeah, I guess. How about New how York? about Chicago? How about Chicago? If Trubisky doesn't work out next year, they could just keep him for you know one more year. I'd have to look to to check his cap number and what it would take to to cut him, release him. But what if they keep him? Will they draft a young quarterback? <laughs> sit car midway through the season or four games in <clears throat> once they're high first round draft pick rookies ready to go then go ahead and trade the lump on even more draft capital continue to rebuild that team as they move to vegas now see i'm going to cut in here um this actually is a good segue into our next topic it would really cost a lot as far as the cap is concerned and it would really hurt them if especially with the contract the situation that Derek Carr has right now uh he re-signed what a year or two ago he's still got guaranteed money in the books his signing bonus is still going to be a very hefty so it's it's going across the board and it's going to be really hard for him to be able to be traded but um well hold on this, you're in front of your computer right now look look it up real quick because with the way this the salary cap keeps ballooning and the way quarterback contracts keep ballooning i bet you that his cap hit or dead money and and penalties for trading or whatever is probably not as bad as when you think about what the cap's gonna be what it's already been since he signed it i mean we keep seeing these deals get a clip and surpassed and we already know that if the quarterback market had grown with the salary cap since I want to say 96-ish then quarterbacks at the top end of the market would be making north of $40 million already and they're barely in the low 30s Wow, actually, you know it's not as bad as I thought. All right, shut up. It's not as bad as I thought. Okay. So um, his dead cap would be 7 million Just let me be right this one time his dead cap would be seven million five hundred. His cap hit total is twenty two million five hundred. They would save a substantial amount of money. I God, I fucking hate to admit that you're right. That would actually not be too bad. I didn't think his deal was structured that bad. Man, Derek Carr got screwed on this deal. That's of just a, did. that's his twenty nineteen out. But um, yeah, the the Raiders really screwed him. I mean, or he screwed himself. He might have. But uh. Yeah, he also signed right before the huge boom when you saw yep. Matt Stafford get the 27. Like it, It's not all on him, but at the same time, uh, he is not a very materialistic kind of guy. Uh, I remember his press conference when he got the big contract. He yep. was like, you know, this isn't going to change me. I'm still going to give my tithe to the church and all that stuff. Like. He got I don't most of the signing in front. He got a forty million dollar guarantee mm-hmm. at signing, and then thirty two point two, or sorry, thirty point two guaranteed for injury only at signing as well. So it fully guarantees each league year. So if he's injured, then his salary is is set for the rest of the year. Yeah, and do you also remember? <clears throat> I think you said the press conference not long afterwards, and it was admitted by Reggie McKenzie, the GM at the time, and everybody there that he. He admitted it too that he agreed to and did take less money so that the team could sign the other stars they had drafted, like Khalil and Cooper. And that's one of the reasons why he was extremely upset when they went and started trading those guys instead of signing them because he said, Whoa, whoa, I sacrificed. You know, I took less money specifically to keep these guys around, and now you're trading them. Uh, he he brought that up, I believe, or it was leaked, or his brother said on NFL Network, you know, or or Salmondo Salguera and you know Oakland Bay Times, whoever it is. I remember that came up uh, earlier on this year too. I just fucking amazed at how team friendly this contract is. It's it's really shocking. He's signed through 2022. And uh, he's got an out 
really at this point, as far as the team is concerned, this season coming up. I mean, now that the season has ended for yeah. the Oakland Raiders, they can really look to either shop him or they can really look to just drop him in general. They can cut him. And even if they did a post-June designation, it would be really peanuts as far as like between the two years. It would be like seven three yeah. point something every year. Yeah, seven and a half million dollars in dead money is is shit. Most teams play with that already every year. I mean, and the Raiders have had so much cap space for so many years prior to that or earlier just before that. They could absorb that and it's it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, well and then you gotta think Mark Davis probably doesn't actually have the capital at this point to be able to make some of these moves that and mm. that's probably why Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper were on the roll on nope. on the outs because he doesn't have the money at this point. I mean he's trying to afford to go to Las Vegas. He's gotta put his capital elsewhere See, I'm, wondering what their, I'm wondering what their business plan is as far as moving to vegas because obviously they're not getting anything done with the stadium in the oakland area the relocation fee 500 million dollars for a team mm-hmm. that already doesn't have a lot of capital <laughs> do they really foresee them making that much more money in vegas to be able to compensate for that 500 million within the next 10 years I think there's an agreement in place, and I think that's why it fell out with what was that guy's name, the the big dude in Vegas, casino mobster guy or something that was going to finance it, and then he pulled out. I want to say his name was Sheldon Richardson, but that's <laughs> the defensive lineman, so I know I'm getting that wrong. Um, but he was the he's owner of the casinos and stuff like that. He backed out. And then Mark Davis and Raiders had to go find a new route, a new location. And I want to say that's because it was a <clears throat> they balked or something fell through in terms of ownership share because of inheritance taxes, um, you know, and the difficulty of transferring the equity of a of a of an NFL franchise. You know, I think the only way that all this can be can be done, especially since we already know that he is cash poor. Part of the reason why I traded Cooper and Mac, and because he's got so much tied up in the Vegas and all the other stuff, that uh, I think that it it involves a, a deal to sell part of the franchise, you know, for cash. That's the only way I can see it possibly happening. And I'm an accountant, um, and I, I've looked at some of the the numbers I can see and, and looked at it some, so I don't know it, but I'm, I'm assuming. It's not a bad thought. It's it, it really makes sense, especially as I mean, when Al actually gave the team to Mark, Mark had to pay the royalties and the taxes and whatnot in order to keep the team, because there's a certain amount of taxes that you have to pay on the team uh, in order to uh, retain all the assets and the liquidations and whatnot for the team. So. He may have gotten a lot of capital from Al Davis. He may have gotten the team, but he had to spend a lot of money on top of that in order to keep the team. So he may be pissing in a pot right now, to be honest with you. I don't know. And that's probably why he took the Vegas deal. It's probably something like that. Well, and think about it. You take the Vegas deal. Yes, the Supreme Court legalizing gambling, you know, across the country. You know, you would think that's going to lessen Vegas's impact. I think that's going to only increase Vegas's power and Vegas's impact because they already have the infrastructure. They already have the systems in place. They already have the operating procedures, everything else. I do think that a lot of that move was tied to 
you know, the, the lobbying effort and whatnot for gambling. And I think that Mark Davis sees <clears throat> that the quickest way to cash and the quickest way out of his liquidity problems is to go to Vegas and, uh, you know, Vegas where, you know, the majority of the economy is in cash. You know, I mean, that's a great way to go and, and, and get a lot of money, you know, or a great way to, to move a lot of money anyways. And a lot of my Oakland fans that are listening right now are going to be really pissed off at me for saying this. But honestly, if the city of Oakland actually offered a pretty decent deal as far as a new stadium was concerned, I don't think Mark would have went anywhere. No, why would they? Like Oakland, it's almost like a cult as far as the the Raiders fans. Dude, the, the black hole is just fucking amazing. Absolutely. People talk about the black hole like it's some kind of like a deity almost. Like it's but. But how many how many people fit in the black hole in the Oakland Coliseum? The the black hole's like a, a black puddle. I mean, I mean, it's a fifty thousand seat stadium. So stadium fifty. So should the entire tax base populace of Oakland Alameda County? I think this name of the stadium. You got it. Should that entire like I'm uh, totally making this number up four million eight million? I don't know what the population is, but should they uh, pay for 50,000 people in a stadium for a billionaire? You know, I mean, I can, I, I see the I see both sides. I see there is an economic benefit to a stadium, but at the same time, I also wonder why, you know, that money's not going towards schools or healthcare or something else rather than financing a billionaire's playground. See, the reason why I had the no issue with how they did the Viking stadium was the team took out a $380 million loan from the city of Minneapolis. And after year 22, uh, it's all going to be profit for the city. Plus they get uh, benefits from the stadium itself. It's a closed dome stadium. So you can do year round events hosting the final four in April. And the amount that it has brought into the economy already is uh, pretty dang good. So the the city is actually benefiting from it rather than just be like, hey, we're just going to give you $380 million. They're getting all that money back. And I think a lot of people miss that in a lot of these deals. Now, that's because, a great – yeah. No, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, yeah, because it, it's not like the city's just giving away the money. They're getting it back. But the way it's spun for individuals that aren't necessarily fans of stadiums being funded by public money, they they see it in a completely different light, which is a little bit unfair. And the snow is not collapsing the stadium now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And now in a situation like that, Tyler, I agree. When the city, when the politicians do a good deal uh, overall, you know, and, and I've like you said, you know, if you know the stadium deals, I follow a lot of them. I keep up with that stuff. Like I said, I'm an accountant, so you know I'm interested in that kind of stuff. Oh, and fuck I'm you. You get to live in, in Jerry's world. I don't want to hear your bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah, but Jerry's world was largely financed by taxpayers here in Dallas. The only reason why Jerry hired Bill Parcells was so that he could convince the taxpayers that he had given up control enough to actually build a winner so they would vote to finance the stadium. With Arlington, which is where all the stadiums are at, has made a mistake at, is Arlington has put all these taxes into hotels and eating out and all that kind of stuff, all the tourist income that comes in there. Well, the tourist comes in there and they go, holy shit, my – 
$100 a night hotel room is $250 a night. I'm completely making this number up um, and <laughs> way over exaggerating, I'm sure. But I want to just be, you know, full disclosure. But it's way jacked up. And I'm going, holy shit, I'm getting taxed out the ass. And so they treat Arlington like it's their own personal trash can, their own personal whatever. And that is the dirtiest, nastiest freaking city there is. It's I don't even like to go to any event down there hardly at all because it's so disgusting. And it's because there's nobody there at tourists. The I guess the quote unquote locals come to work there somewhat, or probably most of them come from outside the city. But everybody actually kind of lives there. They live way outside of everything. And it's just, it's a shithole, to be honest. Now I live, you know, just miles from it and, and go down there somewhat. And yeah, that's 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 a bad end of the deal. But you know, Tyler, what you're talking about, that's a good good deal and those are kind of stadium deals that i think need to happen where it's good for you know both sides not just good for the nfl owner because they paid off the right politicians it's got to be good for the people and obviously that they the city of minneapolis did a really good job they just built it on the site of the old metrodome they didn't put it in uh, some faraway suburb like they were talking about initially they were talking about going up up to anoka which uh just from downtown minneapolis is about 25 miles uh northwest and i like arlington's pretty damn close to dallas and that metropolitan area is much bigger than what we have here in Minnesota. But uh, nobody wants to go all the way out to Anoka for a stadium. Plus, they don't have nearly the infrastructure that a downtown area has as far as being able to handle that much traffic. And when you do something like that, no, it's just going to piss off the fan base and it's just not going to work. They built it on the side of the old dome. They built it in less than three years. Uh, it provided... Um, crazy amounts of jobs to local construction companies uh local uh, company mortensen was the one who got the contract to build the stadium and uh, they just did everything the right way and i'm just very happy with how it was done plus the entire state was in a massive surplus so it wasn't like they were taking money from education uh law enforcement or anything like that so uh, let's let's try to gear this more towards the segue that I was trying to accomplish with the Derek Carr contract situation. Um, Antonio Brown is uh, having a little bit of drama over in Pittsburgh, and there's talks of uh, trade situations with him. And honestly, it would cost the team way too much to trade him right now. What the hell is going on with Antonio Brown in this drama in Pittsburgh right now? First off, hasn't drama and Antonio Brown been in the same sentence for a while now. It seems like from the, just the past, like two uh, years though. I mean, it's contract. <clears throat> yeah. Diva receiver. Yeah. Yeah. But this has only been recent. I mean, his rookie season, his rookie contract, he was, he was clean as a whistle after he signed his uh, contract. It's like, Oh, Hey, I'm Terrell Owens. What's going on guys. Yeah, I, I still think we should have all seen this coming uh, specifically from the Facebook live video. That should have been the huge wake up call that said, you know what? This guy's mega talented, but is he really worth having on our roster? And I think Antonio Brown is the best pure receiver in the NFL. And I don't think it's that close. But when when you look at everything included, I don't think you can have him on your football team like recording Facebook live while your coach is talking <laughs> like, 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 okay. If you want a Facebook live, the celebration, the saints, they, they, they do their dancing. 
But God damn, are you kidding? You're recording your coach talking? Get the fuck out of my team. I'm done. Speaking I, of talking while the uh, coach is talking, did you guys see today while Mike Tomlin was uh, doing his press conference that uh, <laughs> he tweeted? Brown went to Twitter and just started talking a whole bunch of nonsense about uh, yeah. I love me for me and all some other bullshit. The guy started talking like Terrell Owens. You know, the uh, people keep comparing him to Terrell Owens for the obvious reasons right now because of what he's doing and expecting. You no, know, Florio tweeted the, you know, waiting for the interview and the driveway with the sit ups. But <laughs> people aren't drawing the correlation, not that I've seen at least, of T.O. It wasn't when he got paid, it was when T.O. playoff game or NFC championship divisional round. Steve Young went to him in the end zone. T.O. dropped it. And then in the huddle next play, Steve Young said, I'm going to you again. I believe in you. I've got faith in you. And went to him again. T.O. caught the touchdown or two-point conversion or whatever the hell it was. The catch 2.0. Won the game. And they said, yeah. And they said that was when Terrell Owens became T.O. Antonio Brown didn't have that moment on the field that made him this superstar. He didn't have that one, you know, can anybody really tell you the one defining Antonio Brown catch? We can all tell a bunch of them, but I can't really think of just one that says, oh, dude, oh, wait, that, wait, that's Bobby, I got Brown. one. I've got okay, one. Okay, hold on. You might have me here. Yeah, the immaculate, the immaculate extension. Do you guys remember that? Ah, Christmas Day 2016. When, Yes. Wrist over the goal line. Yeah. That uh, Baltimore Ravens play, fans remember this. Was that this. a fantastic catch, though? Was it like a, you know, is that not instinct? Like, oh, shit, there's the there's the, the goal line. Let me reach it out. I mean, you know, clock's expiring. Well, the, I mean, the wherewithal to have that and to know yeah. exactly where you are, the, the gridiron awareness <gasps> and the, the ability to actually reach out and then still have the rest of your body – go down at the same time. I think that was one hell of an extension. And this is coming from a Ravens fan that was watching that and crying his fucking eyes yeah. at the end of the night. <laughs> Merry Christmas to and I think, Yeah, fuck me. Right? <laughs> and, I, and I think because you're a Ravens fan and it hurt you so deeply, that's why, because I, I agree, great play. It was, it was an amazing play. But does it really go down with the OBJ catch over Brandon Carr? Oh, you know, does it, no, does no. it, I mean, it doesn't have that kind of, you know, it's not, it's a, it's a great play and a great, you know, moment, but it, to me, it's just, it's not the same as a, oh my God, he's a great wide receiver because of that, you know, and, and not to take anything away from it because, you know, like I think you, Tyler said a second ago, he is with, you know, one of or the best wide receivers, especially this generation. But at the same time, like I was bringing it back to where T.O. caught that pass. They went from Terrell Owens to T.O. When Antonio Brown signed that contract, he went from Antonio Brown to A.B. And since then, from the fights in the restaurants to knocking out fans to, you know, whatever all the other bullshit done to the his Facebook living. He, he threw his, his furniture over a balcony at one yes, point? Yes, exactly. I mean, the dude has obviously let it go to his head, and, and I'm not one to, you know, there's I think it speaks to bigger problems inside the Steelers organization because you've got 
AB now doing what he's doing. You've got Le'Veon Bell not saying he's doing anything wrong, and he's not. I, I completely and totally support him, even though I he's not doing a damn now. thing nowadays. That's literally what he's doing. Still, uh, I still I support Bell. But then you think about it, you've got Ben Roethlisberger had his issues back in the day. It seems like with all their stars, there's something there. And I think that speaks to a, a, general, um, a general issue with overall management, ownership, executive style, and the way they run that team. It's uh, I, as much as I hate to admit it, the Pittsburgh Steelers have run a tight ship over the past um, millennia and uh, they they know what they're doing. And I'm not sure what exactly they're going to do as far as Antonio Brown is concerned. Uh, they I highly doubt at this point, especially with the cap consequences that they would trade him. But um, given another year, unless he really starts getting his ship righted again and starts acting like a team player, you're going to see this trade next year, in my opinion. Well, well, tell me this, and I don't, I don't know the answer to this, and this was one reason why I told you earlier on that I was pissed when uh, I missed Florio's tweet for questions for PFTPM today, and I didn't get a retweet out the tweet to everybody and, and ask questions and whatnot. One of my questions I wanted is, or wanted to ask was, if we know that Antonio Brown's contract right now is is not trade friendly. It's twenty one million dollars in dead money, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. But it seems like Antonio Brown wants out, and it seems like the Steelers might want out or should want out if they could get out in a semi cap friendly way. So could the Steelers and Antonio Brown and Rosenhaus, I think his agent, could they sit down and say, okay, we're basically going to rip up this contract. We're going to give a super team friendly, easy contract to do whatever. We make the money with accounting tricks. It's really easy to make it work where you quote unquote pay us back. And, you know, part of the bonus, blah, blah, blah. We write into the contract that you did, but we forgave it. So you don't have to do it. And we agree to trade you. Can they do that and get out of that cap? problems if both parties agree they want to be traded and then let Antonio Brown work out a deal with his new team and they could easily do that and say one of those hey we agree that this is completely between us if this gets out of us six people or how many people in the room then it's dead and done and we're not doing anything and do that kind of New England Patriot style thing so it doesn't get out until it's a completely done deal and you can just sell it as a hey we got draft picks the new team say hey we got Antonio Brown you know is that something that can be done it's honestly going to be really hard at this point, especially since last year they just recently did a uh, cap restructure for him, converting part of his uh, salary into uh, signing bonus once again. So he's right into his right into his new contract that he paid it back, and then he yeah. pays it back into a restructuring off the books that says he paid pennies on the dollar about the contract because he forfeited on it. So once he forfeits on the contract, it doesn't actually pay it back. Then it goes to a debt collector. They can sell it to their own internal debt collection company for pennies on the dollar. He pays them $100,000 on a $9 million buyout or something like that. And bam, it all settles accounting wise. Yeah, Mr. Accountant. But uh, both sides have got to come to the table on this one. And I'm not sure that both sides are willing to even speak to each other at this point, to be honest with you. 
if they both want out of it, if he wants out and they want rid of him, they'll make something work. But I'm, I, I, we'll ask because I do want to know if they could work out some kind of, you know, let's say they didn't do the accounting bullshit tricks that I said to cook the books. And let's just say that they found some way more above board, I guess you could say, to do it. I would like to know if they could do something to renegotiate the contract that they've already signed to facilitate a trade without affecting the trading team and their cats in such a, you know, quote unquote, disastrous way or however you want to, you know, a Steelers fan. If I was a Steelers fan, I'd probably go on, holy shit, no way can we, you know, get rid of these $21 million or get $21 million in dead cat money. Uh, no, we can't do that. That's however many starters. So, you know, I, I can see that. But at the same time, it's like, do you want him to continue wrecking your seasons because of his diva personality and his demands and his whatever you know they already voted juju smith schuster the mvp of the team and i personally think he outperformed a b most of the year and i know that because i had to listen to my wife every single sunday brag about him on her fantasy team and she won't admit that i'm the one i told her to draft him uh, yeah juju yeah, I, was actually one of those guys that i really wanted the Baltimore ravens to draft back when he was available and i was really hoping that he would be available in the second round and we'd be able to trade back up but that never happened unfortunately Go well, ahead, that's because Ozzy Newsom doesn't know how to draft a receiver, but that's a different story. You have the you have you're absolutely on point. He, he, let's let's face facts. Let's look at uh, Brashad Perriman. I mean, come on, it's, now. it's his it's his only weakness. But at the same time, Perriman was hurt for his first two years. It's really hard to develop when you can't reach the field. Truth. He was hurt in his first year. He did okay his second year, but he fell off in the third year, and it really pissed me off to watch him get a touchdown this past weekend against us. Yeah, the most important trait you can have as a franchise player is to be available on the field. Somebody says that a lot. Now, it's probably my, I don't know. The best Somebody ability says is that availability. Lot, stealing it. It's exactly. not stats. Who Make sure you wish him a happy new year. Yes, <laughs> oh, especially on the second. Make sure you get that done. <laughs> Boy, howdy. So uh, Antonio Brown, I don't see him moving, to be honest with you, this season. It, it would really hurt unless you somehow finagle that contract and you're able to get it going. My personal opinion is he'll be a stealer next year, but he's probably going to be suspended for the first two games, in my opinion. How? How? If he's as unhappy as he is now, he abandoned his team hours before a playoff game left all those guys high and dry plus all those other bullshit before how and the quarterback issue too and the coach issue how can they move forward with him like i i agree with you i don't think they can but we know there is though so how can they move forward though like i don't like i agree most likely they can't trade him or cut him realistically but at the same time how can they move forward with this this rift i know you can make financial apologies we know the steelers aren't doing the steelers are not going to make a financial apology to him so i don't know how that works with that quarterback that coach that everything rift i don't know to be honest with you but uh i it's just really hard right now for the situation to be able to work in the team's favor and the team is always looking for the team friendly situation and that's why for the most part that they don't guarantee any money beyond year one is because they they will give a sign in bonus which really honestly screws them in the end that's why they're in the situation they are with uh with mr brown right now but uh they do contracts in a certain way that 
it's team friendly to a point, but it also screws them in the end. I'm looking at uh, Antonio Brown next year. They'd save one about one million dollars if they were to cut him. And that's next year. They don't see significant uh, cap savings until 2020. would really have to restructure that some bit oh. i'm sure it's going to happen so so this is another question that i've got i wanted to ask um you, you know i want to ask on like you know pft but i want to go and bring it up here because i'm really curious to hear your guys thoughts on this what would you say we're seeing this problem now the giant signed obj looks like they may want to trade him same thing with ab you know you could count it with you no know, to tons of other players over the years what would y'all say of the nfl the owners the union getting together could this be done how would they possibly do it to where they agree to some sort of a structure with contracts where they say that contracts can be traded with cash value compensation like, i don't know some kind of compensation maybe for it where it doesn't cripple one team or another's cap is there a way they could do that to where we could make it? Because I don't know about y'all, but my most one of my favorite times of the year, besides like the draft, obviously, and and football season, is the trade deadline. Especially since we've had a more active one lately, it's like, what what team is going to make that move? Is that going to make him a contender? You know, are they doing a fire sale? Are they trying to go for the number one pick in the draft? It creates so many more storylines that that make it more interesting to talk about. Yeah, see, I think that it is possible that they could do that, especially because they kind of already do it in baseball and basketball. Uh, basketball has what they call the mid-level exception, where every year you can sign a guy to a, about an eight and a half million dollar deal, and you can trade uh, portions or all of that mid-level exception in order to make money work, logistics, uh, all that fun stuff. So, if a let's say the Timberwolves have the 8.3 mid-level exception. They make a trade with the Lakers. The Lakers trade their mid-level exception to the Wolves. All of a sudden, they've got $17 million uh, to play with as far as on the free agent market when they may not have had it to begin with. And with uh, MLB, you can trade uh, bonus money. With the draft, you're slotted a certain bonus. that uh, So... If uh, you have the number one pick, you get more bonus money than everybody else. But based on where you're picking, that's why you're getting that bonus money. You can trade it. And there's also the international signing pool where you can trade that bonus money. And uh, the uh, twins did that uh, to get some extra money so they could go after uh, um, uh, Otani before he signed with the uh, Angels. Now, there are ways you can do it, and there are examples from other sports where you could do it. But honestly, the I don't think the NFL is going to do that because, quite frankly, well, teams just aren't that trade-happy when it comes player for player. And I think that's where you're going to see more of those contract things come in. Uh, I, th- I think what they should do is uh, – it would be interesting if you could uh, be able to trade just a cap hit. Mm-hmm. And, and like, if you take a look at Antonio Brown, like, hey, maybe they take the Steelers take less from a team because they absorb that entire cap hit over the next three years. That could be an interesting dynamic. See, 
now you made a good point there, Tyler. You said that they do this already in other sports. So I think that, and we know that all the other sports have much stronger player unions than the NFL. We all know the NFL union is the weakest one out there. It's not even close. So they all do it. We know that making these trades would can be and I can't think of a scenario or I can think of very few okay I can think of some of them but there's not very many scenarios where trading a player isn't beneficial for the player um, you know typically a team's not going to trade for a player unless you know it works for them you know and they're not going to trade for a player unless that player wants to go there so we can make the case easily for the union or the player side and maybe this is for a future episode <clears throat> can we come up with a reason a good enough reason and we have to it's NFL owners so it's got to be financial can we come up with a financially viable enough reason for the owners to work in some sort of a waiving cap penalties buying uh, you know basically and, and saying like okay look if I trade X player to see this team and I'm going to get this huge cap hit but that player really wants that or that team really wants that player for the playoff run, they can give me the cash to pay for that cap pit and I don't have to, you know, take it or part of it, or I don't know how you do it. I have to think about it, but you know, maybe there's a way that we could make it viable for the owner. And then we've got a connection with pro football talk. If we make a good enough, uh, if we come up with a good enough reason on here, we can push it through there. And if we can get Florida to take it, we can run it up from there and, and he can get results or at least get people talking about it. It's not a bad idea, although the last time I tried to throw something at Florio that I honestly thought was going to be in his favor because he's got such a lawyer background, I, I tried throwing something at him called what is called a favored nations. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of the term. Um, it, I remember it, you bringing it up. Yeah, it was in regards to Aaron Rodgers and his contract. The, the favored nations concept is where you get the contract that you want right now, and if anybody in your position were to be paid uh, above you, you would get matched up to that contract. You would be bumped up to that contract. So the Kirk Cousins deal came in, and uh, Aaron Rodgers was paid slightly before that. Then he would be bumped up to the to the uh, to Kirk Cousins' contract. So I'm he he kind of poo pooed on that and just went on his other well, way. I'm not sure if Mike would see, be willing that, to do that. That only benefits. Go ahead. As much as I love that idea, there it's a little too difficult in concept for one reason and one reason only. If Aaron Rodgers has that contract and Matt Stafford has that contract, oh yeah, Andrew Luck has that contract, and then Kirk Cousins gets paid, and then they all get more money. But then who's going to be ahead of the other guy? And what happens if Kirk Cousins has that clause in there? The reason why they don't do this is because of the poison pill the Vikings put into Steve <laughs> Hutchinson's contract. Back yep. in like 2006. And that poison pill was he he has to be the highest paid offensive lineman on his team at the time of signing or the entire $49 million contract is guaranteed. And Walter Jones at the time was making $10 million. So guess what? Vikings got Steve Hutchinson. And then Nate Burleson signs a poison pill contract yeah. of similar, but I mean, he wasn't quite the player that Hutchinson was. And Boom, he goes to Seattle. The next offseason, you can't do the poison pill. 
And I think that clause is going to count just like a poison pill does. And that's why it'll never truly be able to be used. Real quick, Tyler, just just for my own shits and giggles, wasn't either Nate's or Hutchison's deal? One of them said that if they weren't the like highest paid lineman or receiver or something in the state of for X number of games and the there's only one NFL stadium in Minnesota. So there's no way that, you know, he wouldn't make the clock. There's some weird thing that had to do with by playing the amount of games he was going to play in the stadium. He was going to play in that had it had to deal with that contract. Wasn't there something with that? It was, uh, he had to play at least eight game, eight or 10 games outdoors. And that was Nate Burleson because the Seattle yeah. stadium is outdoors and it ended up being, That's uh, what. it was a watered down version of the seven year, $49 million contract. But yeah, yeah. that's how they got the Vikings back. And it's pretty you know, fucking unique. Yeah. <laughs> it that now it was, it's the creativity that needs to happen. Even the NFL, NFL executives get petty. Let's be honest. Yeah, yup. It's all a giant ego dick measuring contest. And, uh, but you know, CJ, you were saying with the First Nations clause, and, and Tyler brought it up when you get all those quarterbacks like we've seen recently getting those record contracts, who ends up on top? And that's the problem with that is what's in it for the owners? For that, to make a quarterback or a player the highest paid to his position or whatever, there's nothing in it for the owners. With the figuring out some way to trade contracts between teams, there's something in it potentially for the owners. They get rid of a headache. We could see the way that potentially Antonio Brown derailed the Steelers even more than Le'Veon Bell this year uh, potentially did. And, um, you know, you can think about that. But, you know, and I'm not saying that by making that available, you also run the risk of players, The you know, as – Bob McNair in Houston would say or would have said, sorry, RIP, um, he would have said supposedly that the inmates run the asylum. That would be how the NFL wouldn't want it to be where players can demand a trade, cost term will. So again, you have to work something in there. But I still feel like there's enough issue with problem players that there is a solution there. There's a creative solution that we could come up with that says, hey, let's make player contracts more filling to trade and let's make it beneficial for the player and the team, but not give one too much or too little power. It's not not a bad thought. Um, it's definitely How? something that I would definitely post that as a question, if you can, in as little words as you possibly can, to uh, the PFTPM uh, podcast when they do the thing again. But uh, the, speaking of questions, could you guys, uh, since you're you know running the account, you know, kind of make the questions known to people or, uh, you know, cause you kind of dropped the ball today. I was kind of a little upset with you guys. Seriously. You know, as much as we try to uh, help out and make it easier, you know, uh, that's on you, CJ. You should, you should have every Avenue. I saw that. And guess what? I put in four questions right away. And you because didn't, I have, oh my goodness. I've got PFT sent right to my phone. I used to, but they post out like 13 storylines an hour. Hey, just deal with it. It's not that annoying. It's a battery drainer. And I don't yeah. have the iPhone XR like you're going to get. That's fair. Well, and you know what? You don't even have to do that anymore because the 
Graham Posse official account has tweeted out every single day's notification since its, except in, since its inception, except for one, because of the PFTPM hiatus and because of the PFTPM Posse having to go back to work from 13 days off and because my phone jacked up. I'm just saying I was me. fairly I disappointed today. I was just, I cried myself to sleep for a little bit and then I woke up to the sound of my own screams. Oh, that's dramatic. Yeah. No, it, it, it wasn't quite that bad. You guys are right. It but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, listen, speaking of uh, overdramatic and uh, wide receivers, do you guys think Odell's going to be on the move? They will be for the right price. Uh, and I think San Francisco might be able to give them that right price. Now, you know, if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, do you move uh, number two for Odell Beckham Jr. straight up? And if the Giants, you're the Giants, do you take it? I, if I'm the Giants, I'm asking at least the number one. And honestly, that's a respectable thing. No, no, no. The number two overall pick. Oh, then shit. Uh, ooh, good question. Uh, do you do that? Uh, ooh, ooh, that is a tough. Come back to me on that one, Bobby. You go ahead and take that one. Matt, let's be honest. We all know what was in that cigar that was rolled up on that pizza box in that hotel room in France. Led shipping to California where he can pass his one drug test a year, which starts ironically on 420 and ends the day training camp starts or day training camp ends. Don't remember. And then let him be happy. Let him enjoy life in California with Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan, a great offense. You don't have granddaddy of the NFL, fucking John Mara, all over your ass all the time. He can just enjoy life, be productive, you know, soak it all in. Like, I think he needs to go. I'm also a Cowboys fan, and I don't want him in the NFC East anymore. But besides that, he should go ahead and go to California where it's all legal, it's all fun, and he can enjoy life. I mean, there's other teams out there with uh, with the salary right now. I mean, just coming to the top of my head, I'm, I'm thinking uh, Oakland's got the salary right now. Uh, the New York Jets, they, they could still send them in-state. You could just send them right down the street to the other training facility. Um but Who's they won't do that. The Jets and Giants don't talk to each other. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the the estranged brothers. I don't know. Um, who the, the hell right else Jets has coach? You know what? You, you guys keep going at this. I'm going to look at the uh, the cap tracker here. Let's you see. Know, I mean, here. 2019. OBJ's going to want to go to one of those new young coaches. He's going to want to go to a McVay, to a Shanahan, to a big market. So you're going to have to think about accommodating that. But the other thing is, is teams like the Rams, especially not the Niners as much, but I think the Niners would be a lot tighter with it. Don't have the draft capital necessarily, even though you can trade picks up three years out. I don't know if they really have it in the Rams at some point have to do what the Vikings haven't done and get depth. Holy shit. Have you guys seen how much the Indianapolis Colts have next year as far as cap space? Oh, well, it's 100 and, Yeah. It's 122 million. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. That people I don't understand I don't know if people realize the impact in one year or a couple years the rules that that last CBA came into effect with the 89% 
bending floor and whatever ceiling, and then the ability to carry over cap money because so many teams will have a really shitty year in sandbag and then carry over that money, which is how the Browns, Jets, Colts, and so many teams had to build some of that money up. People don't seem to realize the impact of that. And I know there's some teams, Bengals and whatever, that are you know going to always do what they're going to do. But, damn, it makes it exciting sometimes. It's – oh, my God. They've, they've got enough to get a couple of Le'Veon Bells out there. Goodness. And the Jets are not too far away. they got $106 million, And then the Buffalo Bills are right behind them at $84 million. Jesus. Yeah, Buffalo Bills can make sense. Oh my gosh, him with Josh Allen? Uh, sign me up. Yeah, I'll watch I mean, honestly, that. I would watch that all day. I mean, just the running threat of uh, Josh Allen and then the passing threat to Odell Beckham Jr. Goodness gracious. Hey, seriously, do you really think, I'm sorry, but the Buffalo Bills could give OBJ all $84 million of cap space next year, and he's not going to fucking Buffalo. He's going to be in a big market. He's got to have that attention. I mean, I just, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, it'd be fun to see. I, I mean, I would love to see Josh Allen just launch one and watch OBJ run underneath it like you no know, Tyree. But I just, I, I don't think he would do it. I, I, I don't think there's any way in hell. And that's one of the problems with a team like Buffalo is unless and until you get a quarterback with that magnetic charisma as Baker Mayfield, you know, with Freddie Kitchens on board, you know, until you get that kind of combination, it's going to be really hard to get guys to go to Buffalo without asking for a premium. Sean Merriman, didn't he like rape Buffalo with what he asked for back in the day? Maryland's own, by the way. But uh, okay, okay, I can see what you're you're getting at. How about your neighbors, though, the Houston Texans, who are sitting at around $67 million? Do you think they could benefit from having Mr. Odell Beckham Jr. coming on? They did just trade for Demarius Thomas, and he has a uh, he's in the midst of a five-year $70 million contract. Now, as far as oh. how they can get out of that for pretty cheap, which I'm guessing is the case, yeah, they also have Will Fuller. They also have uh, Will Fuller coming back. Uh, now, I think that that would be a, an interesting idea, but their number one, first and foremost, needs to be that offensive line. And then they got to pay Clowney. How are you going to pay Clowney? Yep. Clowney, yep, you've got to protect Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson will make your good, average, better than good receivers great or better than with his ability, but he's not going to be able to keep taking these hits that he's taking over and over again before his ribs, back, shoulder, everything else, neck starts to hurt, legs, and he just can't move and can't do it anymore. Um, With Demarius Thomas, they traded for him, but they traded for him, so that means they're not going to have any cap penalties if they cut him other than anything that, you know, guarantees because of the date. So he signed that contract the same time Des Bryant did. And as a Cowboys fan, I remember Des Bryant's contract. It was basically the same contract. And, uh, you know, we've gotten out of Des's. They could easily get that contract without anything if they wanted to bring in OBJ. You know, Houston might not seem like a big 
team. And in Texas, it's dominated by the Cowboys. But Houston's the I, I want to say the fourth largest city in the in the nation. They've got a lot of stars. Jadavion Kalani. I just said they got to resign him. They've got the uh, Honey Badger down there in Houston, just waiting for that big national spotlight. Plus, they got Hop. They got JJ Watt, which I uh, can't stand the dude. He's fake as shit, but he's a star Man. and he's you know charismatic. He gets the endorsements. He gets the the views. Whatever the eyeball. And they got Deshaun Watson, who's a young kid on the rise. I mean, they've got everything they need there, you know, to you know to take that leap into the national spotlight. They just need to get the spotlight at the right moment and have the big game, you know, when that spotlight's on. And I think they will soon. I mean, we all have seen Deshaun Watson. That dude fucking balls out in big games. All right, I got one more landing spot, and this is. It makes too much sense. Seattle Seahawks. I was thinking the exact same thing, but what are the Seahawks going to give him? Like, like, sorry, what are the Seahawks going to give the Giants to make it worth it? A slap in the mouth and tell them to like it. (laughs) (laughs) With how that offense is built, do you want to pay Odell Beckham Jr. almost $20 million a year? They did just give Tyler Lockett about $10 million a year over the next four. I, I mean, it, look, I'm not going to say Lockett's anywhere near what OBJ is, but the passer, uh, the passing stats to Lockett this year broke records. Like yep. passer rating was perfect. And he had like 900 yards receiving and almost 10 touchdowns. So the way their offense is built, they run the ball until the, uh, Ravens changed up their offense uh, seven weeks ago for Lamar Jackson. They were the number one rushing team in the NFL. And it, their offensive line, a lot of road graders, and they can pass block. Don't get me wrong. But are you really going to want to bring Odell Beckham Jr. into a running-focused offense? Yes, because I, then they can adjust just like Baltimore did. They can do an adjustment in the opposite direction and start becoming pass-happy. Because let's face facts, I'm not a big fan of the running backs that CLC heck. Seahawks have right now. I'm not a fan of Rashad Penny. I'm not a fan of uh, Chris, whatever the hell his name is. I'm, I'm blanking on him right now. And go ahead, give me another. Go ahead and give me another Freddie Kitchens. Chris, Chris Carson. Carson. Right, give me another Freddie oh, Kitchens. Oh, sorry, sorry. Chris, goddamn Carson. <laughs> Freddie, goddamn Kitchens. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys, assholes. But um, do you know the backup backup's name? First round draft pick this past year, Rashad Penny. There you go. Yeah. I Don't forget Mike Davis, undrafted free agent out of South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you how much I care about him. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not too sold on the actual running backs on that team, including Rashad Penny. I, I was expecting a lot of stuff coming out of him, but he hasn't delivered. Uh, Chris has been actually the, the workhorse, but I could honestly see them shifting more towards having an offensive passing game because as much as I used to dislike Russell Wilson, I'm starting to actually warm up to him now. And I think that he can actually pass the ball if he's put into a situation where mm-hmm. – it's not on the goal line two yards away, <laughs> but and it's the Super Bowl on the line. CJ, I don't think they want to transition to a pass heavy offense because they kind of were in that. And now that they're in this uh, more of a run style offense and then you run screen passes with a misdirection, I think this is where they want to be. And I don't think that they're going to change that, even if they can get a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. I think the only way they would do that is if they got Odell Beckham Jr. But these are huge hypotheticals. 
yeah. And can we quit playing Madden and get back to reality? And yeah. Who the hell thinks that OBJ's ego and Russell Wilson's ego can coexist in the same locker room, much less the same fucking state? Yeah, especially when it's raining all the time. I mean, Russell Wilson trying to sell his concussion healing water and his whole holier than thou and his his whole shtick, which don't get me wrong, great role model. <clears throat> you know, he doesn't do he's not in trouble with the law. I'm not I'm not knocking him, but he's fake as hell. Thank and you. I've been waiting for somebody else his, to say it. No, he is the fakest motherfucker besides Tim Tebow, maybe. And you watch your mouth. Well, you know, <laughs> I also want to hate Tim Tebow. I've got personal reasons because I went to the University of Arkansas and there were some games and it happened at Florida and let's not go there. But uh, it also has to do with the Pouncey Twins. They were there and he was there and they cheap. Okay. Anyways, back All to the right. NFL. Guys, uh, uh, Russell Wilson's ego and OBJ could not fit in the same building. Let alone state. I get that. Let's, yeah. Uh, no way. Talk about the playoffs because I know that uh, some people here have to get going here. DJ, uh, one more thing. I'll say this much about the Gators, Bobby. I cannot wait for that 30 for 30 on the 2008 Florida Gators. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And you've got a, a murderer in Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. You've got a racist in Riley Cooper. And you have a goddamn saint <laughs> in Tim Tebow. Uh, um, I'm in. There's no way that all worked, <laughs> you know, and, and if they really got access, then, you know, there, there's, there's, I can't wait. You're right. No, I, yeah. That, that's definitely going to be a sight yep. to see. Guys, the playoffs are happening this weekend. I can't fucking wait. I know, Tyler, you're sad, but we... Tyler has nothing to talk about here, so... Yeah. No, you, you, I'll tell you this. We didn't deserve wait. to make the playoffs, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because we didn't deserve it. You all had a hell of a schedule, too. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, I mean, there was high expectations, and undeservingly so. I mean, that, that schedule you guys had was pretty fucking brutal. I, I would hate to have to have that schedule. We had some cupcakes towards the end of the season, with the exception mm-hmm. of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. So I can't even imagine what it was like being you guys and those nail biters and, and having John D. Filippo, who wants to pass every goddamn play. So Y'all... Well, like, look, the the Vikings, uh, I, we've talked about this before a little bit, you know, off air, uh, the Viking, or maybe it was on air. The Vikings had a lot to overcome with Sperano, their offensive line coach. Yeah. And if you follow the NFL, you know that Tony Sperano is more than just a coach in the NFL. He was super highly respected. Everybody that he coached looked to him essentially as a father figure. He was a, a major loss right on the eve of training camp. They had a, a brand new high dollar quarterback with tons of expectations, tons of pressure, tons of, of, of media after lots of success the year before. You had, you know, Zimmer, honestly, I love Mike Zimmer, but he's had issues with his eyes, which let's be real, that you know, losing a possible sight is gonna affect you. He had what seven, eight surgeries uh, affecting from flying. I know that. It was, was it mostly done with, or what was it? Uh, it was I don't remember now, but it was he had a bunch of. He got of hit. Yeah, like he got hit on the sidelines, and oh, yeah, uh, something went that. wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, and he had, like all the surgery. So he had like that last one before he finally just decided, I'm done with that. I'm just gonna live with what I have to live with. And then in the season, they lost their not only defensive leader, but let's be real, probably their overall team leader in Everson Griffin to the the mental health issue, which I'm so glad he's been as open as he has been and been able to so far because that's an issue that that seriously affects way too many people in this country that we don't talk about or the world. And people need to be more open and realize it affects you know, a lot more people than, than we realize or talk about it. But that took their team leader and their star on defense out for multiple weeks plus their schedule i mean they had the deck stacked against them i think this next year they might come into the season a little and xavier rhodes's injuries i mean we can go on and on but they're yeah so i think that this next year they might be a little bit overlooked not near as much pressure and i think they could they could do some stuff next year good possibility but uh why are we talking about teams that didn't make the playoffs tell me more about these uh dallas cowboys that are going to be playing this weekend up against the seattle seahawks it's strength against strength our offensive line our run game against their offensive line their run game their defensive line their front seven's really strong you know their their back four or you know six depending on the formation is it, pretty strong our defense is really strong it's it's really going to be a toss-up um i i, I want to say and i'm being probably a homer but I, I think the momentum we got and the the way that the team is rallying behind Dak and the way that Dak played last week and the different looks that, that we put on film with the tight end. Not saying Jarwin's going to keep doing that because he's not, most likely. But uh, we gave them that look, said now they have to watch the center of the field. Finally, they haven't had to all year long. So it, it puts a lot out there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that we we can pull this off, but uh, yeah, uh, tell me what y'all think. I personally think that it it comes down to the home team at this point. If you told me this was being played in Seattle, I would say Seattle would win. But this is going to be played in Dallas, and I think that Dallas has got the edge just because of the home field advantage. And the that, uh, Seattle on the road is going to be uh, a really – they're not really too hard to deal with on the road. They're really hard to deal with at home. So um, they're not, not saying that they're not going to come out swinging, but in the playoffs it's a little different, obviously. But I think that uh, once – Clapper, Ginger Clapper, right? Ginger Clap. Once Ginger Clap comes in and gets his uh, mm-hmm. his uh, plan A, or, or I'm sorry, just plan mm-hmm. uh, going, then it's going to be really hard to stop him. This, uh, oh, wait a minute, yeah. I did read something today about uh, Trav, not Travis, uh, Zach Martin, and uh, they're and, good. Are they? Yep. Trust me, they're they're limited in practice. They're playing. I know. Okay. They 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 could have played last week if, if they needed to, and they they sat him for you know just overall rest reasons. That's Same way with Zeke. I mean, there was. I don't get why they didn't sit uh, Dak at that point. I mean, they, they played him damn near the whole day, game, didn't they? Yeah, they played him the entire game, and he made the game-winning throw, and it came down to, hey, he didn't want to go out, even though a lot of us, myself included, were saying, dude, take him out, take him out. But he wanted to go, and you know, how can you lead that team if you're not going to go out there, even if you only have you know, 
one and a half starting offensive linemen left. It's no starting running backs. You know, your defense was all out in the field. The only full-time, quote-unquote, indispensable player was Dak on the field. And then he made that killer fourth and 15 throw. Cole Beasley back at the end zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, uh, Tyler, tell me Getting your thoughts flush. about the uh, the Fog Bowl rematch coming up here soon, the 30th anniversary of how uh, long it's been since those two have uh, faced off against each other in that uh, wicked weather-induced game. It's going to be the Chicago Bears versus the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. How are you feeling about that one? Who do you think is going to win? Ooh. Uh, I think the Nick Foles magic may finally actually run out. Uh, that Don't Bears disagree. defense is scary. They, uh, they uh, pass rushers are hard to find. <laughs> well, it's not just the pass mm-hmm. rushers. Eddie Goldman's done a really good job at run stopping. Akeem Hicks is just a monster in the middle. Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd coming off the edges. Plus, they've got Kyle Fuller at corner. He's a very, very good player. Yeah, you've got uh, two of the best young safeties in the game, and Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. They're just they're deep everywhere. And that if Trubisky doesn't screw it up, they can easily win a Super Bowl. But Tyler, you've seen the articles, you've seen the PFF, you know, pro football focus stats about how much better and how great Nick Foles is at avoiding the rush. Do you not think Nick Foles can avoid it well enough in Chicago to make those plays? Because, you know, we've seen, and I think that Carson Wentz is great, and God, I hope they trade him. But, um, you know, I think it just takes longer after an ACL injury to come back. It takes, you know, your second year. But Nick Foles, we've seen the numbers from all year long with the, with the sacks that he doesn't take versus Wentz. <clears throat> to his completion percentage on the run, all that kind of stuff. We've seen the numbers, how good he is at avoiding the rush. Is he going to be able to avoid Chicago? I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to avoid Chicago than it is going to be other teams because Chicago is just as successful rushing up the middle than they are on the outside. And that's where teams really have trouble. Because like Tom Brady, Tom Brady can step up in the pocket all day if you come at him from the outside. You come at him from the middle, He's got nowhere to go because he's going to run right into those pass rushers. And I think that's going to be the big issue for Foles. You're going to uh, see Akeem Hicks sprinting right at him, and he's going to try and roll out. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be uh, uh, Khalil Mack waiting right in his face. It's definitely a uh, front four that I, I haven't seen in a while. Monsters of the Midway have returned. They really have. And I hope Jason Peters, who, you know, just a, a side note slash name drop, I played against him in high school. There Jason you know. Peters might be able to stop Khalil Mack. No, and don't get me wrong. Dude, like, I'm 5'8 and 164 pounds now. In high school, I was 5'8 and 155 pounds. So Jason Peters was huge then. It wasn't like we were, like, it wasn't an even matchup. We were on the same field together. Let's just put it that way. I wish I had that kind of story. I have nobody who I'm... <laughs> shit. The last uh, person in my high school who was drafted in the NFL was a uh, was Lamar King. I believe his name was uh, Seattle Seahawk from uh, way back in the, the early 90s. But uh, yeah, we got nobody else here that we can talk about. Matt Spaeth graduated from my high school. Mm. So that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
I got nothing. There. I've known. I'm in Texas, and I've known a few NFL players that I played against or, or with. Nathan Basher, uh, who was a cornerback for the Bears, actually, for a while after starting at the University of Texas. Horns. Yep. So, with, yeah, so I've played high school with or – and, again, I don't want to pretend like I played with them. Like, I was not on anybody's level. I was a fucking hack and shouldn't have even been out there most of the time. So let's, let's, let's not like confuse this, but you know, there were some guys that were fortunate enough to build up a lot of stats against me and my team. So find out something new every day. Yeah. But again, I don't uh, want anybody to think that I was, I was, I, I sucked ass. I was not very good. So just want to make that clear. I, I wouldn't believe anything else, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Thanks a lot. Um, all right, let's, let's talk AFC matchups, guys. Um, real quick, I want to talk. Uh, let's see here. We got the Colts, Texans. I, uh, If I had to pick right now, gun to my head, I would say the Texans come out of that one unless the pass rush of the Colts is able to step up because I honestly think that Deshaun Watson is going to go apeshit. No, it, this is going to be a tough one, and anytime you get a division foe in the playoffs, it makes it that much more difficult. And I think the Texans are going to have a hard time stopping Andrew Luck, but the Colts are going to have a hard time stopping Deshaun Watson. It's all going to be, are you going to be able to triple cover DeAndre Hopkins? Because uh, double covering him just has not worked. And like it. It's going to be a barn burner of a game. I think it's going to be like a 27-24 kind of matchup. The last team who has the ball wins. And that's going to be a really fun one. I'm actually looking forward to it a lot, to be honest with you. But not as much as when my opinion is the game of the weekend, the, the game that I'm going to be attending. And that's going to be the Chargers at the Baltimore Ravens. I still don't say L.A. Chargers, so I'm just going to say Chargers. It's kind of hard for me to get acclimated with that. But uh, what are you guys thinking? It's a rematch of two weeks ago. It's the uh, it's Lamar Jackson show versus Phillip Rivers and his potent offense. What's going on? What's your thoughts? How you feeling about it? Chargers don't match up well against the Ravens. We've seen that already, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, I don't think that they do again. So this is going to come down to coaching. Did Harbaugh and his staff make the adjustments necessary to uh, to to differentiate things, to make things you know different enough that the Chargers aren't going to be ready for it, to take advantage of a different or a new weakness, or are they going to try and do the same thing? And the Chargers have now decided to plan for it. And I'm not necessarily sure how you plan for not having you know enough weight or bodies in the middle, but you know there's different schemes, different ways you can do that. You know, so did uh, you know are they able to plan? or outplaying the Ravens. I think it's going to be coaching in this game. I think it's going to come more down to discipline than anything. Like if you watch army or Navy play football at all, or even the army Navy game and they run the, excuse me, the flex bone, wishbone, triple option attack. It's all about gap control and discipline. None of those guys are very big. Army almost beat Oklahoma. They took them to overtime. It's if you maintain your gap control, you exercise a lot of discipline on defense. You can take down these teams uh, that do multiple things and they run a lot of misdirection and motion and read option kind of uh, concepts. 
it's not crazy to think that a smaller team like the Chargers, who do lack the size right now because of injuries, can take down the Ravens. And it also helps the Chargers a lot that they've already seen it. Now, obviously, like you were saying earlier, Bobby, there's going to be different concepts, different things thrown into it. But you already know the style of offense that you're playing, the kind, the general concepts they're running. I don't know how they're going to be able to change it up that much from three weeks ago. And I think that's going to be a big issue for the Ravens. They do have the home crowd. They are very successful at home in the playoffs. I think it's going to be another nail biter. Damn it, Tyler. I, 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 damn it. I hate to say it, but you brought up something I didn't consider. I didn't think about, and I'm normally pretty good at thinking about a lot of different things and that, damn it. You're right. I, you're absolutely right on that. And yeah, I don't have anything else to say, but I'm damn it that you thought something I didn't think of and that you're completely right. Uh, Oh, I don't think the NFL did them any favors by making the Chargers go all the way over to the East Coast and play the early game. Um, I do think the NFL kind of fucked them in that that situation with the way they scheduled it. And but, I'm okay with you know, that. <clears throat> well, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it should be a, one. I'm actually going to the game by the way this weekend. It's going to be an interesting. Uh, I'm going to get there as soon as oh. we can early in the morning. So we'll see the it, how many of the three LA Chargers fans show up. And, Make uh, sure. Well, make sure you tweet about it and tag the PFTPM Posse account so that we can retweet it and get it out there because uh, we'd love to hear about the environment and the uh, you know the atmosphere of the game. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can bring uh, one of my mobile microphones with me and possibly uh, do a, a Chargers interview over the weekend, see if I can get a feel for their culture. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how many Chargers fans I actually run into. Uh, I don't have a feeling that many are going to be there just because they can't even fill up their own damn stadium. But I could be wrong. I, there could be people going out with the baby blue powder blue, whatever it is, jerseys and have a good time. And I, I you never know, but uh, this if weekend, you show up at the tailgate lot, you'll find at least five, all five of them. All there five. won't be, there won't be many, but there, there will be the few. And you gotta respect the ones that do come out because they're brave. Exactly. I mean, they're coming to Baltimore of all places, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, Ray Lewis is home. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. His home's in Miami or Tampa, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> Georgia Penitentiary. Oh, you dick! <laughs> dick. Read his autobiography. He told the truth. I, I know it. Actually, his truth. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the real truth. Let's just be honest here. Hey, on the very, didn't touch what, any kids, did he? I, I'm gonna hold on. I am reluctantly going to give not only CJ but Chef Chad credit because on the very first time I was on this show, I was talking some shit about Ray Lewis and they did convince me having to go back and read some stuff that definitely made me reconsider and rethink and question my opinion on Ray Lewis as a person, not a motivational speaker or a 
celebrity or football player, but as an actual person. So I will give you credit. Yeah, that after reading that autobiography, uh, it opened up my eyes a little bit. And just reading some of the facts that it came out in the newspapers and where he actually was and his testimony itself, it's, things just didn't add up as far as what they were actually trying to get to him. But um, that's a discussion for another day. I can, yeah. I can go on a, a Ray Lewis episode if you guys wanted to. I, I, oh, I, I can do the same thing. My pharmacist just got arrested the other day for a DWB driving while black. So I understand completely. Hey, I get that all the time, too. Yeah. I, for those of you who uh, listen out there, I'm, I'm actually white, so it was kind of funny. But um, <laughs> um, let's let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up here. I guess um, we could talk about the coaching carousel on another episode. I, Tyler, I know that you got to get out of here soon, so I didn't want to wrap you up too much. But um, do you anything standing out about the coaching carousel that you guys want to talk about? Wrestle Kingdom, and we could talk about Wrestle Kingdom too if you want to. Okay, coaching carousel or Wrestle Kingdom. I'll, I'll say this about the coaching carousel. I think it's going to boil down uh, to who takes the Browns job before the rest of these start falling. Unless Hugh Jackson gets the Bengals job, then he might be first. That just pisses me off to no end that he's even in consideration right now. I get it, but you should love it because Hugh Jackson's probably going to tank and that's going to help the Ravens. Well, yeah, they'll be the new Browns, but <sighs> It's not entertaining. And I, I like to be able to say that we have a tough division and we're not going to have a tough division with you fucking Jackson in charge of the team. Yeah, that's true. You know, I agree with Tyler that the first domino to fall, the biggest one is going to be the Browns because of at least right now, John Dorsey, who I don't think anybody can argue with the talent he acquired in Kansas city and the talent he's acquired in Cleveland now is not a legit fucking, you know, talent aggregator collector or whatever. And so obviously it looks like the Cleveland jobs most desirable. And once that domino falls, then the coaching carousel, the search really goes into high high gear because all these billionaire owners are trying to find the new you know millionaire uh, captain for their ships, and they all start getting desperate once that number one domino falls. And then it was like, oh shit, musical chairs. Nobody wants to be the guy left with Steve Wilkes. You know? Do you guys honestly think that the Browns will be the first one to fill a chair though? I don't know if they'll be the first, but I think they'll have the first or the top choice, the first choice. Um, and I know that, you know, it's, it's probably mentioned or it has been mentioned elsewhere with the fact that Bruce Arians is interested in Cleveland and Tampa, but we haven't heard in other coaches interested in the jobs. We have not heard a single coach yet that I can think of, or that maybe I've missed it, that has said they're interested in the Green Bay job. That speaks volumes in my mind to the perception of Aaron Rodgers and his, uh, you know, fucking ego, leadershipless, um, you know, all the stuff that we've heard of Aaron Rodgers over the years. It really starts to reinforce that it could be, or it's, it's probably more true than not. It's a good possibility, and it makes a lot of sense coming from uh, just the, the diva part of him. And we've only been hearing about that more recently than not. So, um, 
I that's I still consider that to be a middle of the pack, though. I, I would love to coach Aaron Rodgers, to be honest with you. I, I think that would be an easy cake job uh, as long as I got a good defensive coordinator. Do you want to coach Aaron Rodgers or do you just want to have access to Danica, pa- Danica Patrick? Danica Patrick. I'm going to say yes to both. <laughs> just my answer is yes. Man, Aaron has had some nice freaking girlfriends over the years. <laughs> yeah, but he's never had a decent too. coach. Oh, he's man. never had a decent coach, though. Yeah, and, he's had the same coach all his career. And, uh, and well, no, hold on. Mike McCarthy is a good coach, but there's a caveat there. He's unwilling to evolve, and he's unwilling to try new things. He stays with the same bland offense. Then if he's ever... Coach. Well, no, it, I, I I get what you're saying, but if he's willing to start growing after this experience of getting fired and he's willing to adapt and um, incorporate new things into the offense, then I think uh, I think we're going to see something different. I think one thing Mike McCarthy gets blamed for is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not your typical uh, drop back passer, make a couple reads. He free balls a lot. And I mm-hmm. think that really limits what you can do in the offense because he's not a very structured kind of player. And as I mean, look, you can blame McCarthy for only having like 10 basic route combinations, all that stuff. And that's fair. But when you have Aaron Rodgers who free balls when he makes most of his plays, it's hard to put all the blame on McCarthy. It really is. I'm sorry, but I'm having a hard time uh, with the free balling and Aaron Rodgers thing in the same sentence. But um, let me piggyback off of you real quick. And uh, let me tell you that as far as his offensive coordinator skills, I have a bit of an issue with it because he's calling plays that are uh, Bill Walsh-esque. So as far as his actual head coaching ability and when to go forward on fourth down, when to punt it, when it's um, when it's right to call for a run I think that his head coaching skills are pretty good his offensive coordinator skills are what's lacking especially in 2018 I think he needs to delegate that if he wants to be a head coach in the NFL again yeah and for one damn it I hate to twice in one night agree with Tyler and to make it even worse me and my dad argue about this all the time. I know that he listens, and I hate to for him to hear that uh, he's semi-right and that Mike McCarthy can't be blamed for all their failures because of Aaron Rodgers' ego and, and maybe lack of coachability, you know, Tyler, that, you know, kind of doomed him or, you know, once Aaron Rodgers became bigger than the team, especially once he got the contract that – finally told him that he was, you know, uh, not only in Green Bay, but the entire NFL with the number one contract, you know, on him versus McCarthy, you know, in that entire power structure in general with the lack of an ownership thing. And I don't know, I don't know where it plays out, but, uh, but yeah, sorry. I wanted to, I wanted to just mention that with, with, I don't know how much blame he gets. And, and will McCarthy get another shot? Will he get a chance to try and groom a young quarterback into the next Aaron Rodgers? Or, you know, will he sit out this year and come back next? Does Greg Williams get a legit chance at being the full-time head coach of the Cleveland Browns? No. I think he might. 
But if I had to lean one way, it would be no. Okay, Tyler, would you, and and sorry, CJ, I know you don't know who we're talking about, but Tyler, would you rather have Greg Williams or Freddie Kitchens as your head coach if you were a Browns fan or the Browns owner? Hashtag FGDK. (laughs) Uh, See, the one thing that worries me about hiring the interim guys is how much, like, how much of it is their actual handiwork versus what Hugh Jackson had in place? And like we have a very large sample size and they did a lot of different things moving forward, but you can't install a complete new offense mid season. Uh, I like what Freddie kitchens did. And if you're going to take a risk on a guy, you know, you might want to do with Freddie kitchens because uh, offense coordinator does really well. He goes somewhere else, you know, but that's also what the giants did with Ben McAdoo. That's also what the bucks did with Dirk cutter. They didn't want to lose the offensive coordinator. So they just hired him as the head coach. They were both gone within three years well it doesn't always work yeah it it doesn't always work but i would be okay keeping this staff in place freddie goddamn kitchens did have an interview with the uh cleveland browns for the head coaching position by the way so did so did greg williams which was surprising because i thought he would have just been offered the job you Um, know i don't surprised on both i don't think kitchens is he being interviewed anywhere else I think so. Um, I want to say maybe one Jets. Okay. It would make Hmm. sense. I mean, the guy has definitely turned around the offense from compared to what uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley tried to abort earlier this season. I mean, he basically just called different plays and, you know, I'm sure it wasn't, I don't see a ton of Browns games, but it wasn't that much different than what they installed in training camp in the first half of the season. He was just calling different plays and, you know, different guys in motion, probably slightly different formation. So they were probably running the same overall base offense. You know, he just showed his, his chops at give me control. By the way, did you guys get to listen to last week's podcast? Even a fucking Cleveland Browns fan was like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know who Freddie Kitchens was. So thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you listen to PFT PM and PFT Live and you talk to us on a regular basis. You have no excuses. I Injury pro football talk. Yeah. yeah and do I you heard know not the last PFT? week and also Jeff Chat. Chef. Sorry, Chef. Chef Chad. Also, the week before that, also said that, oh, yeah, I didn't know who he was either. You probably talked to him beforehand to get him to say that. But still, yeah, (laughs) because of like Tyler said, you are a a very avid interactor, you know, and listener of PFTPM, PFT Live and Reader Pro Football Talk. You should have known and a football fan in general. Yeah. And to to my point. Uh, when he was first announced as the offensive coordinator, I don't know if you guys remember this. I actually asked a question on the PFTPM uh, podcast. I said, uh, legitimate question, who the hell is Freddie Kitchens? The first question. And then Flory um, was like, oh, he's the offensive coordinator. I'm not really sure beyond that. Don't know too much about him. And you still didn't know who he was six weeks later when we brought him up? Still don't know. Why should I? You asked Florio. Exactly. He told you. I promptly forgot his name after. Promptly. Because he just didn't matter to me at the time. And honestly, he doesn't really matter too much now unless he gets that head coach position. 
That could be something. I, I'm, I would be very shocked, though, if he actually got that head coaching position. It makes sense, though, to go with the offensive, quote unquote, mastermind as opposed to the defensive guy. So I don't know. It, it could uh, it could sway either way at this point. But I think they're going to go external at this point and go with somebody else. They will. And he won't get a head coach position, but he'll get a chance soon enough. And you'll wish you knew more about him. Just kidding. I know you're learning. Yeah. You want to you want to know more about the guy that's leading Baker Mayfield, the next. The, he's the guy that's going to surpass all of Tom Brady's Super Bowl records. He's going to throw three interceptions on this past Sunday. Wait, that's what he did. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, you caught Baker making a mistake. Good for you. I, I, a feel, rookie. I feel really good about that. I just want to say a, 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 a rookie that was coached by Hugh Jackson and is pissed for the majority of his first career or the first season, first year of his career. I mean, come on. We picked off your God. That's all I got to say. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap up things this week. We can uh, definitely talk about the coaching carousel uh, again next week. If you want to guys want to come on the program, I, I'm you're you've always have a uh, standing welcome invitation to come on. It's coming up on. Um, let's see here. We're probably about three, four, five weeks away from the window opening to where we can actually get Florio on the show. Uh, he said, talk to me after the season's over. I mean, regular season's over, but I'm going to at least wait till the off season. Um, so, yeah. And you guys would be the ones that I want to have come on and actually interview Florio with me. So that'd be great. If you guys are willing to do it, I'm willing to have you on and uh, get your questions ready for him and whatnot. And we'll do our best to get Florio on here and hopefully he'll stay true to his word and come on board. But, um, regardless i uh, really appreciate you guys coming on if there's anything you guys want to talk about hell i could record later on this week if you want to do a twofer i, I really don't care but um, um wrestle kingdom show review we could do that are you actually going to stay up to 3 a.m and watch that show kind of um i'm staying up super late tonight and then i work at eight tomorrow and then i'm going to bed when i get home i'll get about six hours of sleep and it starts at one my time yeah, I don't mind even dedicating a whole show to just talking about Russell Kingdom. I, I want to see Cody defend his United States mm. title. It's, it should be uh, pretty goddamn if you, awesome. If you guys want the New Japan subscriptions, nine hundred ninety nine yen, which is about nine bucks. Otherwise, I can give you my login. It's gonna be worth your time. I concur with you a hundred percent about that. And I might actually take you up on that because I, I do want to see Cody. I want to see Jericho defend his belt, and then uh, the Okada match should be really good. It's NJPW is is where it's at. Osprey right Ibushi, fifteen minutes of somebody's breaking their neck, and I can't wait. And the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. I mean, it's going to be one hell of a barn burner, as uh, Mr. Oh, yeah. Jim Ross would say. And is he doing commentary this year? No, um, he's got a WWE-only deal, and it, they uh, negotiated so he could do um, NJPW for Access TV through the end of 2018. It's going to be just Kevin Kelly moving forward, wow. and Kevin Kelly is amazing. Yeah, but everybody likes Jim Ross. I know, but give Kevin Kelly a shot. He's very intricate. He's very um, rooted in the history as far as his knowledge, and he's able to provide that on the fly. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy who does better when Vince McMahon isn't in his ear. Yeah, there is nobody in their ears. They get to do their thing. It's pretty cool. I wonder what Michael Cole would be like in Japan. Um, I'd like to see Michael Cole without somebody in his ear 
yep. telling him what to say. Yeah, I bet I he'd be pretty mean. Uh, that would be something yep. else, too. All yep. right, guys. I'll uh, I'll wrap things up on that note, and uh, we'll see if we can get something later on this week, or maybe even next week. And uh, we'll we'll talk football, we'll talk wrestling, we'll talk whatever you guys want to, man. Really appreciate y'all coming aboard. Absolutely, sounds good. And, and when it comes to Florio, remember he tried to stop doing PFTPM, and the power of the PFTPM posse got him to continue doing it and doing it more. And it's now got sponsors, so we'll make sure that he lives up to his agreement and. Uh, I mean, we comes got the on. guy a goddamn jersey. Come on now. Well, yeah, he's gonna come on. Trust me. <laughs> it, it, he'll he'll come on. I mean, uh, when uh, he put the Merry Christmas tweet, I replied to him, and he said, "Thanks, Tyler, and thanks for being the ringleader for the jersey." One, somebody had to tell him. I uh, didn't. I can tell you that much. I it, I bet it was uh, a flow. Yeah, he's probably like, "How the hell did they get my address?" Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I guarantee you, if we ask, uh, he'll. Uh, He'll definitely come on. I, I think he in will. The end, it will. I'm looking forward to that. It should be fun. And you two are definitely going to be the ringleaders to get this done. All right, folks. Till next week. Thank you very much for coming on board. And those were two of my favorite guests right there. Uh, at the real Forno and at PFTPM Posse. Follow him on Twitter. And of course, don't forget to follow me at the CJ Newman, N E U M A N. Really appreciate you guys listening this week. It was a long one. Thanks for sticking in there. Hope it was rewarding for you guys. Hope you guys uh, expanded your knowledge a little bit about football. And I hope uh, that you guys leave some feedback and uh, continue to get in t- contact with me to give me some suggestions, give me some. Uh, criticisms let me know what i could do differently what you guys actually want to hear when you're listening to the faft because this is a show for the fan by the fan and i really want to make sure that you guys are happy so uh until then uh till next week thank you very much for stopping in and once again maddie new year